Letter the Tenth of Leslie Castle by Jane Austen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Leslie Castle. Letter the Tenth from Miss Margaret Leslie to Miss Charlotte Luttrell. Portman Square, April thirteenth. My dear Charlotte, we left Leslie Castle on the twenty-eighth of last month and arrived safely in London after a journey of seven days. I had the pleasure of finding your letter here waiting my arrival, for which you have my grateful thanks. Ah, my dear friend, I every day more regret the serene and tranquil pleasures of the castle we have left, in exchange for the uncertain and unequal amusements of this vaunted city. Not that I will pretend to assert that these uncertain and unequal amusements are in the least degree unpleasing to me, on the contrary, I enjoy them extremely, and should enjoy them even more, were I not certain that every appearance I make in public but rivets the chains of those unhappy beings whose passion it is impossible not to pity, though it is out of my power to return. In short, my dear Charlotte, it is my sensibility for the sufferings of so many amiable young men my dislike of the extreme admiration I meet with, and my aversion to being so celebrated, both in public, in private, in papers, and in print shops, that are the reasons why I cannot more fully enjoy the amusements so various and pleasing of London. How often have I wished that I possessed as little personal beauty as you do, that my figure were as inelegant, my face as unlovely, and my appearance as unpleasing as yours. But, ah, what little chance is there of so desirable an event? I have had the smallpox, and must therefore submit to my unhappy fate. I am now going to entrust you, my dear Charlotte, with a secret which has long disturbed the tranquillity of my days, and which is of a kind to require the most inviolable secrecy from you. Last Monday, Sir Knight, Matilda and I accompanied Lady Leslie to a rout at that honourable Mrs. Kickabout's. We were escorted by Mr. Fitzgerald, who is a very amiable young man in the main, though perhaps a little singular in his taste. He is in love with Matilda. We had scarcely paid our compliments to the lady of the house and curtsied to half a score different people when my attention was attracted by the appearance of a young man the most lovely of his sex, who at that moment entered the room with another gentleman and lady. From the first moment I beheld him, I was certain that on him depended the future happiness of my life. Imagine my surprise when he was introduced to me by the name of Cleveland. I instantly recognised him as the brother of Mrs. Marlowe and the acquaintance of my Charlotte at Bristol. Mr. and Mrs. M. were the gentleman and lady who accompanied him. You do not think Mrs. Marlowe handsome. The elegant address of Mr. Cleveland, his polished manners and delightful bow, at once confirmed my attachment. He did not speak, but I can imagine everything he would have said had he opened his mouth. I can picture to myself the cultivated understanding, the noble sentiments, and elegant language which would have shone so conspicuous in the conversation of Mr. Cleveland. 
the approach of Sir James Gower, one of my too numerous admirers, prevented the discovery of any such powers by putting an end to a conversation we had never commenced, and by attracting my attention to himself. But, oh, how inferior are the accomplishments of Sir James to those of his so greatly envied rival. Sir James is one of the most frequent of our visitors, and is almost always of our parties. We have since often met Mr and Mrs Marlowe, but no Cleveland. He is always engaged somewhere else. Mrs Marlowe fatigues me to death every time I see her, by her tiresome conversations about you and Eloisa. She is so stupid. I live in the hope of seeing her irresistible brother tonight, as we are going to Lady Flambeau's, who is, I know, intimate with the Marlowe's. Our party will be Lady Leslie, Matilda, Fitzgerald, Sir James Gower and myself. We see little of Sir George, who is almost always at the gaming table. Ah, my poor fortune, where art thou by this time? We see more of Lady L, who always makes her appearance highly rouged at dinner-time. Alas, what delightful jewels will she be decked in this evening at Lady Flambeau's? Yet I wonder how she can herself delight in wearing them. Surely she must be sensible of the ridiculous impropriety of loading her little diminutive figure with such superfluous ornaments. Is it possible that she cannot know how greatly superior an elegant simplicity is to the most studied apparel? Would she but present them to Matilda and me? How greatly should we be obliged to her? How becoming would diamonds be on our fine majestic figures? And how surprising it is that such an idea should never have occurred to her? I am sure if I have reflected in this manner once, I have fifty times. Whenever I see Lady Leslie dressed in them, such reflections immediately come across me. My own mother's jewels too, but I will say no more on so melancholy a subject. Let me entertain you with something more pleasing. Matilda had a letter this morning from Leslie, by which we have the pleasure of finding that he is at Naples, has turned Roman Catholic, obtained one of the Pope's bulls for annulling his first marriage, and has since actually married a Neapolitan lady of great rank and fortune. He tells us, moreover, that much the same sort of affair has befallen his first wife, the worthless Louisa, who is likewise at Naples, had turned Roman Catholic, and is soon to be married to a Neapolitan nobleman of great and distinguished merit. He says that they are at present very good friends, have quite forgiven all past errors and intend in future to be very good neighbours. He invites Matilda and me to pay him a visit to Italy and to bring him his little Louisa, whom both her mother, stepmother and himself are equally desirous of beholding. As to our accepting his invitation, it is at present very uncertain. Lady Leslie advises us to go without loss of time. Fitzgerald offers to escort us there, but Matilda has some doubts of the propriety of such a scheme. She owns it would be very agreeable. I am certain she likes the fellow. My father desires us not to be in a hurry, as perhaps if we wait a few months, 
both he and Lady Leslie will do themselves the pleasure of attending us. Lady Leslie says no, that nothing will ever tempt her to forego the amusements of Bright Helmstone for a journey to Italy merely to see our brother. No, says the disagreeable woman. I have once in my life been fool enough to travel, I don't know how many hundred miles, to see two of the family, and I found it did not answer, so deuce take me if I am ever so foolish again. So says her ladyship, but Sir George still perseveres in saying that perhaps in a month or two they may accompany us. Adieu, my dear Charlotte. Yours faithful, Margaret Leslie. End of letter the 10th. End of Leslie Castle by Jane Austen.